Hi everybody, welcome to another one of Alan Robson's Grizzly Tales. Thank you for joining us here on Robson's Worlds, where everything is changing, so get ready for it. And try and use it as much as you can. We would love any help you can give us. But tonight, something that apparently 7 out of 10 people do. Attempt suicide. Now, most cases, people stop themselves. It's a, a attention-seeking thing, or they do it for effect, or they don't really mean it in the first place. However, there are some haunting, haunting stories. Now, in Delhi in India, 11 members of a family were found dead and everything about it pointed to mass suicide rather than murder. Police are still investigating the case, but apparently the Batia family were deep into ritualistic practices and they believed that their gods would help guide them to the other side if they chose to all die together. So they did, which is pretty damn spooky at the best of times. There are an awful lot of stories like this. Heaven's Gate was a mass suicide in California. Don't know how many of you can remember this, because it wasn't that long ago. It happened in 1997. The 911 emergency line dispatchers got a call, this is in California, from a man panicking. He said that dozens of people were lying dead in a beautiful upscale villa in a gated community of San Diego, the Rancho Santa Fe. Now, this is a particularly posh place. A lot of big television executives live up there. And when the police turned up to the location, they found 39 people dead, all dressed identically, all of them tucked in their bunk beds, with plastic bags tied around their heads. All of them were members of the Heaven's Gate cult. Now, a week before this, the founder of Heaven's Gate, Marshall Applewhite, put out a video swearing that a UFO was following the comet Hale-Bopp. And if you made it known to them that you wanted to travel with them, they would take you to a kingdom level that was above human. He did this online. Hundreds of people were listening. And he looked kind of mad-eyed, crazy-eyed. And Applewhite said that leaving the human world was the only way to evacuate the planet and get access to the UFO. 38 people believed him. And they all ate a poison-laced dose of apple sauce with some pork they had for dinner. Later on, if reports are to be believed, at least three other people who just watched it over the internet killed themselves too. OK, we know that if people choose to die, if they've got a medical condition, they can go to Switzerland. Many people have mentioned that. But there was a strange similarity in Switzerland with uh, the Order of the Solar Temple. They were very like America's Heaven's Gate. 
Followers of the Order of the Solar Temple were made to believe that their founder, a man called Joseph de Mambro, would lead the people of the cult to a different, better planet. Now, he claimed to be a reincarnated member of the 14th century Christian order of the Knights Templar. De Mambro is said to have conspired in dozens of murders, including that of a three-month-old baby who he believed was the Antichrist. And along with all of those reports of mass murders came those of mass suicides. Now, De Mambro said that there was going to be an environmental apocalypse and members of the cult then began committing ritual suicide. And in October 1994, Di and his fellow co-founder, Luc Jauré, along with several members, committed suicide to escape the world into a higher dimension. 23 bodies were found in a burnt-out farm in Fribourg. Another 25 were found in Canton of Valais. In 1995, another group followed them. Five more people in 1997 in Quebec and Canada. And reports say that between September 1994 and March 1997, bodily remains of 74 Order of the Solar Temple members were found in Switzerland, Canada and then France. Many of them burned to a crisp. Have you noticed the link between most of these crazy mass suicides? It's a contorted, distorted version of religion. And God's involved. God, of one sort or another, is always involved. The movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God. Have you heard of them? If you haven't heard of them, I'll tell you. This was based in Kanungu. Uganda, it was a Catholic group, and they were convinced that the world would come to an end as soon as the millennium calendar began. So, to get ready for the impending, do well, doomsday, members were expected to maintain a vow of silence as often as possible, practice abstinence, fast, and the closer the day of the apocalypse was coming, the tougher the rules got. However... The world didn't end on December the 31st. Followers began to doubt their leader. So the leader then said Judgment Day was, in fact, March the 17th, which gave them a little bit of time. So on March the 17th, in the year 2000, 300 followers, including 78 children younger than 10, headed for a final celebration before salvation hit them. Instead, what happened was a mass self-immolation and poisoning. Reports have it that it was not entirely a mass suicide, but homicide carried out by the group's leaders because they made everybody have a drink, believing that that drink was a tribute to their God, when in fact it was laced with poison. All in all, it's been concluded that out of the several hundred that died that day, some knew about the suicide plan and believed it was the only way for them to reach their salvation. 
Some who believed in the salvation part but were definitely not going to kill themselves and the so-called traitors who were killed because they wouldn't kill themselves and they didn't believe in Judgment Day. Eventually, mass graves found in various locations all over Uganda made the death toll 780 people. Suicide is always an absolute waste of life. Then in the 1970s, you remember this one, this was massive. The self-styled prophet Jim Jones, he established his very own socialist utopia community in Guyana. He called it Jonestown. And in November 1978, that Jonestown pretty much ended when the world discovered the rotting bodies of 918 followers of Jim Jones People's Temple. Jones, who started the sect, which was the biggest cult in the world at the time, he set it up in the 1950s. He was known for being strongly against racism, and over the years, his cult began gaining a really bad reputation for financial fraud, child rape, and child abuse. And even after he moved to Guyana, he did that to escape prosecution, and when he established Jonestown, accusations and investigations didn't stop there. It followed them to Guyana. Urged on by former People's Temple members, a congressman from America, Leo Ryan, headed to Jonestown with a group of journalists to carry out a probe on November 1978. All was fine until some residents of Jonestown requested Ryan to get them out. So, sensing something was wrong, Ryan rushed the group to the airstrip to escape. The escape plan, however, was foiled when Jones' gunman interrupted them, killed the congressman and the journalists. Now, distressed by the fact that his followers were trying to escape, Jones called a meeting in the main square and ordered everybody to drink a cyanide-laced poison. The kids were the first to die. Some 276 of them fed the poison by their own family. The parents who had killed their children wanted to go next. In the past, like a fire drill, Jones would make his people practice for a mass suicide in what he called the White Night, and finally it came true. When helicopters came looking for the congressman, all they got was the stench of rotting corpses from high up in the sky, a handful of survivors and almost a thousand bodies to clean up. The Jonestown Massacre is the greatest human-made tragedy in the history of the United States, topped only by the September 11th attack. And we didn't even mention the mass suicide cases of 1906 in Bali or Masada back in AD 73 or the mass suicide in Vietnam in 1963, the Igbo slaves in 1803, and most of them were committed by people to escape slavery or to avoid being captured by the enemy in war. The weird thing is that sometimes incredibly bright and intelligent people take their own life, not realising just how many people really love them that they're going to hurt. 
Periander lived in the 6th century, 600 years BC. He was one of the seven sages of ancient Greece. The Greek historian Diogenes told how a tyrant wanted to prevent his enemies from dismembering his body when he took his own life. So Periander didn't want anybody to mess with his body. So he chose a secluded place in a forest and he hired two young soldiers to assassinate him and bury him there. To cover his tracks, he instructed two other men to follow his assassins and to assassinate them and bury them a little further away. But the story doesn't end there. He instructed another two men to kill the assassins of the other assassins and bury them a few feet away. The instructions of the murder continued and this escalated from one suicide to the death of 48 people. Unbelievable. A French surrealist poet, Jacques Rigaud, he wrote poems like My bedside book is a revolver and maybe one day when I go to bed instead of pressing the light switch, distracted, I make a mistake and pull the trigger. And most of his poems and he was incredibly famous, seemed to be on the topic of suicide. Unfortunately, and probably not surprising too many people, he took his own life in 1929, aged only 30. He shot himself in the chest, reducing the sound of the impact by placing pillows on his body, and he used a ruler to make sure that the bullet would pass through his heart. Then we have a Spanish poet, Angel Ganivet. He decided that he would try and kill himself by throwing himself in the North Sea. Now, we know it's frozen, but he was rescued by a ship. So he threw himself back into the water, off the ship a second time, and managed to drown himself. Uh, at least he was committed. Don't know what it is about poets. Maybe it's because they're poets and arty. Gérard de Nerval, French poet, he was known for French romanticism. But for him, the real world was hell. He wrote this. This life is a slum and a place of ill repute. I am ashamed that God sees me here. But he was a romantic too. And he fell madly in love with an actress called Jenny Colon. Not a great name. But she married another man and then died. Every time he saw the hint of something wonderful happening... Something bad occurred. He was hospitalised a dozen times and during his most challenging moments he wrote thoughts of how he wanted to die. No surprise that they found him hanged on the 26th of January in 1855. Let's have another writer. British writer Virginia Woolf. She was considered one of the most influential writers of the 20th century, but she was suffering from bipolar disorder, a mental health condition that plagued most of her life. Beautiful woman, extremely talented. But one day, she walked along a country path and she filled her pockets with stones and then she leapt into the River Ouse. She drowned on the 28th of March, 1941. An American journalist who was extremely cool, Hunter Stockton Thompson, was the founder of Gonzo Journalism, but he was a drug addict and an alcoholic, so he was always living on the edge. He was either up or he was very down. 
He ended his life in 2005, aged 67. Another amazing poet, Sylvia Plath, one of the best poets of the 20th century, an American writer. Uh, words were everything to her from a very, very young age. But she suffered from insomnia, she suffered from depression, bipolar, and she once wrote, I want to commit suicide, escape responsibility, and slowly return to the womb. She put her head in the oven of her London home with the gas left on in 1963. Robin Williams, bless her, superstar, actor, comedian. He took his own life in 2014. Despite a long battle with depression, Williams' wife Susan said that he had never, ever expressed suicidal thoughts. Three months prior to his death, Williams was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and he also suffered an increase in paranoia. A medical history that authorities recorded at the scene. Robin once said, I think the saddest people always try their hardest to make people happy because they know what it's like to feel absolutely worthless and they don't want anyone else to feel like that. Amazing writer Ernest Hemingway he committed suicide by shooting himself in the mouth with a shotgun. Now, this is the guy who loved boxing, bullfighting, hunting, sailing and drinking particularly. And he didn't give any explanation why he took his life. The FBI couldn't shed any light on it. Psychiatrists who studied him said he was hypermasculine with an overwhelming personality. But they didn't see that he must also have had mental health issues. Cleopatra. She was the famous queen of Egypt, lover of Caesar and Mark Antony, and she took her own life after the defeat of their forces against Octavian's army in Alexandria. She decided to commit suicide before her victor led her to Rome to exhibit her as a war trophy. She was the very last queen of ancient Egypt, and no, she didn't commit suicide by picking up a snake and letting it bite her, she pushed a file of poison into one of the veins of her arm. Nero, who everybody says fiddled when Rome burned, even though fiddles hadn't been invented. Nero was one of Rome's most infamous emperors. He committed suicide on the outskirts of Rome back in 68 AD with the help of a servant. He'd been condemned to death by the Senate, and he couldn't bear the idea of this so he decided to commit suicide by stabbing himself with a dagger. Socrates, there's another famous name. He's a bit different. This incident is most accurately described as forced suicide, probably the most famous forced suicide in history. He was made to drink hemlock, like a poisonous plant, for trying to corrupt young Athenians and having expressed ideas against believing in ancestral gods. Yeah, anybody who says God doesn't exist will find somebody that has no proof God exists, but they would be willing to kill them. Anne Sexton was another American poet. She won the Pulitzer Prize in 1967. However... She was obsessed with suicidal and sexual fantasies and most of her work was about one or the other. She suffered from depression 
and she suffocated in her garage and died of carbon monoxide poisoning in October 1974. Most people know about Kurt Cobain, frontman of Nirvana. He told a lot of people that he was fighting his inner demons and how he had constant mental health battles. He shot himself in the head in 1994. English fashion designer Alexander McQueen, he was found dead in his London apartment on the eve of his mum's funeral in 2010. He was only 40. His clients included Lady Gaga and Michelle Obama. He could not have been richer nor more successful. Yet it never seems to be enough. And, of course, Tim Bergling, better known as Swedish DJ and music producer Avicii. He was found dead in Oman in 2018. He had a whole range of health issues which led him to cancel his 2014 tour. He stopped touring in 2016 but kept making music. His family said that he could not find peace and the details of his death were not revealed at the request of his family. Now, if you have a look around Robson's world, you will find all kinds of amazing adventures recorded live all over the world. And one of the places where we visited was a place called Newgrange. It's in Ireland. The Chamber of Newgrange is a world-renowned megalithic mound and a place where so many people have heard the voices of the dead. Acoustic expert David Keating carried out a raft of experiments there and even he believed that the building is set out in such a way that it changes the way that sound is carried. Along with archaeologist Aaron Watson, they tried hundreds of different noises below ground and the chamber actually changes the sound. A popping balloon becomes a click. Yet a human voice could carry almost half a mile, even if you're whispering it would take a technology far beyond ours to create such a thing, yet this was built 5,000 years ago. So how could primitive man have such an in-depth knowledge of acoustics? Loud sounds get swallowed here, yet quiet conversation gets spread over an area of a few square miles. And over the centuries, visitors to Newgrange believed the sound of voices to be the sound of the long-buried dead communicating with one another. Yet, it may well have merely been the voices of their fellow visitors over a mile away, heard as clear as day. And yet, every loud noise tried inside this chamber was condensed to almost nothing and to this day we still don't have this kind of technology yet here it is created so it seems by people who had no grasp of the most basic mathematics perhaps that is what it was a device created to stop loud noise spreading over a great distance but was this to muffle the roar of a craft taking off from Earth or landing on Earth? There is also the mystery surrounding the standing stones. When the wind is at a certain strength and in a certain direction, these stones, once numbering 35, would vibrate and create their own sound. Was this the sound amplified by this incredible megalithic mound, sending it into the stars as a beacon to guide outsiders to Earth? 
Maybe all standing stones were created in a certain way to create this natural sound beacon to the stars. Sadly, we have no fully original standing stones still in one piece, so we can judge them, merely the weathered remnants that have been ravaged and stolen by people over the decades. We know that many of these standing stones sing and generate almost musical notes. Often, these stones are around a central configuration that could so easily channel that sound. And also, each stone has an astronomical significance to stars or planets that primitive man at that time would not know, nor would have been able to see. Scientists desperate to claim knowledge of these ancient monuments have espoused hundreds of possible uses for these magical places. And yet, to this day, there's not one of them that really rings true. So while we're on the topic of alien things, let me finish with an alien connection to one of Scotland's Western Isles. Lewis. When you remember that the community on Lewis has existed for in excess of 10,000 years with rocks on the island that were there since the earth was formed, perhaps it's no surprise that some say it was the site of early alien intervention. Their standing stones are a sophisticated lunar clock based on the positions of stars, yet when it was built 3,000 years ago, no one was able to see any of the stars that it's based on. Some were only discovered in the late 1950s, so how did these humble old-school pagans know that they were even there? Unless some higher intelligence told them, or maybe even showed them. Surely if aliens had visited the tiny Western Isles, someone would have seen them, passed those stories down the years, and left us informed of such incredible happenings. Yet amazingly, the good people of the Western Isles did do that. Exactly that. Whenever you go back into ancient history, you come across the Blue Men. Folklore tells how a falling star landed in the sea between Lewis Long Island and Shant Islands. This is what they wrote at the time. The water turned from calm to a bubbling, hissing tumult. The cold sea began to boil and steam, spiralling up to the sky. Now, over 300 separate histories all name a tribe of supernatural beings that came from the sea, and they called them the Blue Men of Minch. They were humanoid in appearance and they could communicate with the islanders, helping them when they were ill and assisting them in building tools and weaponry. These blue, grey-skinned creatures often sat on the shore or swam alongside their canoes and ships. Some say that they tried to lure ships onto the rocks, yet they had nothing these creatures wanted nor required. They could breathe air and also survived under the water, living in deep underwater caves and their house. Some islanders claimed they had built a huge circular glowing house underwater that they could often see shining late at night under the surface of the water. Others believed that the circular house was in fact the huge craft they had travelled to earth in, 
Some say they could be reasonable and help the islanders build homes and a stone circle. And they spoke of the heavens and the worlds beyond our own solar systems and told stories of many different forms of life. Some people described them as mermen, yet they had no tails, just legs as we do. Their skins were grey-blue, and yet they appeared even bluer when they were out of the water. And then one day, about 50 years B.C., the glow from the ocean floor had disappeared and the blue men of Minch had gone, leaving behind them some amazing buildings and the inexplicable standing stones. Now, those who are dismissive of alien intervention have said that they were fallen angels thrown out of heaven. Others say that they were escaped Moorish slaves marooned there. Others that they were very early Viking pirates, slave traders, visitors from Asia. Yet none of these explain the glowing ocean circle or any of the technology that they left behind. And also, none of them can explain how those creatures could stay underwater for hours on end. This was 2,500 years before scuba gear was invented. Now on the Western Isles, there's a feeling of how it is certainly a special place so special it may have been touched by those who travelled across space and time to get here. And I bet they were glad they came too. And that is our podcast this time round. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll come back again. Spread the word. There's an awful lot more for you to get visually and orally on Robson's World. Make sure you enjoy it and tell people about it if you'd be so kind. Until next time, from me, Alan Robson, God bless and I wish you well.